and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We just completed Labor Day, and we're back here on a Tuesday in the recording studio to talk to you about the big news of the day. Well, yeah, there, there's there's some big news today. But before we get to that, uh, I'm, of course, Illegal86, one of your three stalwart hosts, and I'm joined by my fantastic compatriots, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. What's up, guys? Hello, how's it going? Everything's going pretty well over here. How about you? Surviving, you know. It's we're it's back to school time. I think I talked about this last week. It's back to school time. The kids are back to school. They're listening to the podcast instead of doing their online classes. So our viewer, our listenership is up. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I don't. Is our listenership up? Is it down? I don't know. I honestly haven't looked. I, I went on holiday. You know, took four days off and still kind of getting back in the swing of things. Right. Yeah. That three day weekend, the Tuesday. I will say this morning was tough. That's why they call it Labor Day. They're like, you know how much you love not working? Don't work for a day, but then see how much it sucks tomorrow. Happy Labor Day to all the all the workers of the world. We've got some news on something you could spend your hard-earned money on. Today, we're going to be talking about the big Xbox drop today. Uh, a couple of things to talk about, Xbox Series S being the main one. But the Series X was also, I think, reportedly priced. I don't know if Microsoft has confirmed it yet, but it seems like everybody knows. We finally have a price point for the Series X, and the Series S leaked. And spoiler alert, it's significantly cheaper. And uh, both come out on November 10th, but we'll get to that. We also need to talk about what I think is a pretty serious promise that Uber has made about electric vehicles. And then we'll be talking about some news from Nintendo, some stuff from the Nintendo Direct last week, and some other news from Hyrule. You know that place, the place where Zelda is, the place where Link is, the games that I've never played. So I might be pretty silent during that part, but we'll get to that later. First things first, the Xbox Series X. We talked about, well, we talked about next gen, I feel like at least every other podcast for the past few months. Uh, that's not going to stop. I mean, you know, the holiday season's coming. They're going to actually be pricing these, releasing them. There's going to be an actual console war and we're going to be a part of it. We're going to be at least watching it. Man, I hope so. I feel like we've been talking about this and we still don't really have, I think this is the first time we really have concrete information about things. That's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot to, to dive into here. So as I said before, the Series X is reportedly going to be priced at $499, which I actually think is right. I mean, it's right about where people have speculated. If anything, it's on the low end of what people have speculated, uh, which is good. And it's supposed to launch on November 10th, which to me falls right in line with, with what the expectation was. doesn't seem like it's been delayed or anything. That's all kind of, you know, above board things we were for the most part already expecting. But the big surprise drop today is the Xbox Series S. And I have to make sure I enunciate there's a difference between X and S and the S will be 299 and this is going to be similar to playstation 5 going with basically a a version with a disk drive and a version without this is an all digital version of the next gen console significantly lower teraflops i believe it's four teraflops as opposed to 12 in the series x Uh, 512 gigabyte solid state drive uh, 4k streaming capabilities and the ability to play next gen games i guess is, is the big the big step between the xbox one x and the xbox series s but we should talk about this because I think the th- so did you guys watch the trailer the quote unquote trailer that they put out for basically a brief video describing what it, what the series S I is I did yeah and I found it so interesting what what to Microsoft seemed to be the highlight of the series S what was the thing they were touting so much I think it was Game Pass I don't know if we're on the same page but it basically seemed to be like we're, well no we're, we're we're not on the okay. same page but that but that's fine <laughs> I think they are so enamored with how small this thing is. Oh, that's true. They did bring that up when, a lot, that it was the smallest console I, ever. And I don't care. Like, am I the only one who doesn't care? No, I can, like, I can kind of get that with, with respects to fitting it into your entertainment system. But as far as that being the big thing to tout, yeah, definitely lower on the totem pole. They brought it up a few times. You know, I knew they said it was 60% smaller than what the Series X will be, which granted, we joked about how the Series X looks like it's a mini fridge, basically. This will be smaller. All white design, but it has this... Giant It's circle. not a speaker, is it? Yeah, it, it, it looks like it wants to be a speaker, but I believe it's just for... It's just a giant ventilation, ventilation. fan. But yeah, they make it look like yeah. a speaker and or a disk drive or something... Like you remember on the old PlayStation One, how you would like hit the button and the the circle would and it would pop, pop up. up. Yeah, that's what it reminds yeah. me of. But it's not because there's no disc drive. That'd be cool. They should bring that back. Like like a you know, when you were a kid, you have like a Walkman. I had like a oh, Walkman yeah. CD player, and it would, the the, the disc drive would like pop up. That whole thing. They should bring that back. It always had like anti skip technology, but then it would skip every other second. Yeah. 
Good times. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, Series S, I mentioned before, two ninety nine retail price. Um, and also, I should note, it says expected retail price, which I don't know what could change between now. I guess a lot could change between now and November 10th. But yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Nerd Bomber, Game Pass, they're also touting that as much as they have been you know pretty much the whole time since since they announced it which which is totally fair i guess i want your guys opinion on this my my opinion obviously the 300 dollars price point is attractive right and it's designed to be attractive i said this with with the playstation all digital version which is that i would never get it i would never want it i like physical copies of things i don't like to be hamstrung to uh, digital versions of things only if only because you can't buy used games that way and used games are where i tend to make a killing and also, I also kind of feel like if you're going to go next gen, you should go all the way, right? This is, this is, to me, this is a half measure when a full measure is what you actually want. I don't know. Uh, so for me personally... I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I think this is a, a good entry point, I guess. And I, I acknowledge the fact that there needs to be a lower priced entry because a lot of people, let's be real, we're all hobbyists and fans of video games, but for the average person, especially now when things in the world and the economy are so shaky, like you, you need to have a lower priced option. That said, I'm a little disappointed, one, in the storage of the device, because if you don't have a disk drive, and I know that you can have expandable storage, but 512 is not nearly enough storage. Like you need a terabyte in most next gen consoles at this point. Every game that you purchase right. is really pushing the limit on how big the file sizes are. So storage was a little iffy for me. And I guess I also just, I could never see myself buying this because I don't like all digital. I'm still stuck in that world where I like to buy discs. Even if I'm not getting it used, I still like to have a disc and it's super right. annoying to have to get up and change the disc all the time, which is why I also have Game Pass and kind of double dip. But like if I want to buy like a special edition of something, for example, when The Walking Dead was finally finished, I bought the special edition with the disc and it came with all of these little cool little collectibles and a t-shirt and stuff like that. And I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, I guess I could go through and buy well, all and of the different collectibles alone, but like, I like to be able to buy a disc if I want to. So for me, this doesn't really do anything. Exactly. But for some people, it might. Yeah. The other thing, too, you want the option is 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 the key. Exactly. I think. You want the option to, if you want to buy a disc, buy a disc. And, and with regards to the storage, you know, my PS4 has 500 gigs of storage. And granted, for my PS4, that's pretty much fine i mean i have to shuffle games on and off of the hard drive that's just kind of the way it is but like i have to imagine these next gen games are going to be beefy boys right so <laughs> you're going to need more than that is, is yeah what i'm also inclined to think but tactic i didn't mean to cut you off what do you got beyond for? like the um props and stuff that you can get from buying physical content you will quickly make your money back by having the option to flex between digital or non-digital because sometimes you get games with gold so you get the digital for free or sometimes you can buy a disc that's that's on sale whereas the digital content is still full price. So within 10 games, right. I think I'll very quickly make my money back that I lost on buying the more expensive console. So just financially, either way, it doesn't make sense to me to go with the cheaper one. The other thing that I will say... The naming convention, and we've talked about Xbox's really yeah. bad naming convention, but you know. That's what I was about to bring up. Actually. There's some poor kid who's going to want this console, and they're going to end up getting the Xbox One S, or even the Xbox One X. The enunciation is so critical here. But like, the right. naming it, convention it, it, is just so between between the like, series I got X. you a great deal. Right. Between the Series X and the Series S, there's already enough confusion. I don't understand. I mean playstation figured it out right they, they said okay ps and put a number on yeah, that right <laughs> that's that's we're done i mean people are saying that like oh you know microsoft's that production on the old consoles they're phasing it out but at the end of the day we all know that's not how stock in a store works like stores are still going to be selling the old no. consoles so there's going to be confusion at least for this first year so I, I still i wonder what they were doing like call it the xbox nerd bomber and no one would be confused well, and the thing is, too, you know, I, I remember there were jokes. So, okay, so Microsoft started with the Xbox, and then they said, what's the next one going to be called? And someone said, some poor sap said, Xbox 2, and they were like, no, screw that. It's not imaginative enough. We want to go a full 360 degrees. We're calling it the Xbox 360. Then, Which the doesn't even Xbox get you anywhere. It puts you back where you started. Well, right, so there's that. But but then the next one comes out, and they're in a board meeting, and what, what should we call this thing? And and I remember there were memes all, the, all going around that were like, 
Xbox 720, which I think is stupid. But hey, at least then there would be a convention and a consistency. But they were like, no, let's go back to the Xbox. Let's, let's call it the Xbox One, which is stupid on multiple levels because A, you already had the Xbox One. It was the first Xbox. And two, you call it the Xbox Three. Like there's so many... <laughs> It's not the Xbox. So I have some... And now they're going with a series? I got I have some, like, not conspiracy theories, but I've seen on the internet some different theories as to how this naming convention even came to be. So when Xbox came out, they were one generation behind PlayStation. So the Xbox was out at the same time as the PlayStation 2. When the 360 came out, it came out at the same time as the PlayStation 3. But if they call it the Xbox 2, then it looks like you're they'll behind. be behind oh so I they see. called it the th- xbox 360 now in daily vernacular people didn't call it the whole xbox 360 they just called it the 360 so when they moved on to the third one they wanted people to refer to it as the one so that from a marketing no standpoint point, it would be the one console that you would buy but they flubbed it because it didn't make any sense and it really lent itself to be called xbone instead which is what i call it well uh- and, and and what they should do too, like, because they have all these cool, super cool. Whoever's coming up with the project name right? at Microsoft, give that person a raise. They they this one was called what Project Scarlet yeah, or something. Call it that. And it, I I was like, call it that. Make it red. And I'd be like, yes. But instead, you're like, I mean, that's the other thing I wanted to, to get to. And now we're now, again, we're just railing on. I poor Microsoft. If anyone listens to this podcast, works for Microsoft. They're they're probably so. But like, I am. But like, I have to. I have to picture, make a. Oh, one statement really quickly so i do have a playstation 4 and i have an xbox one and i spend the majority of my time on the xbox one so i'm not like a sony fanboy by any means i would say probably 95 percent of my time is spent on xbox and i love what they're doing with game pass but they do have some questionable marketing decisions they just do and like so that that's a fair point i think i'm i'm much more of a play i had an xbox one and i sold it i'm much more of a sony boy so you, you know i'll 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 take the flack that i deserve for that Although I'm now getting more into Switch down, but that's another whole other world, basically. Uh, but looking at this picture, so I have in front of me the, a, a Verge article talking about Xbox Series S. And this is, I think, like their marketing, like, promo image. And it's the console and the controller. And maybe I missed this. I'm sure we've had to have talked about the controller on a past episode. Why did they take the colors off the buttons? Whose choice was that? I think that's been that way know? for a while. I don't think that's new because I have the blue controller and that doesn't have color on the buttons. It has like an, on the interior of the buttons. Wait, really? Yeah, it has like a little dot with the colors on them. But yeah, the actual buttons themselves don't have color. And Tectic, I believe you have a white what? controller from when you got the Xbox One S, not the Series S. Very important distinction. Um, and I don't believe that has color on it either. I think it's all white buttons. Yeah. Which, first of all, I hate that. And I guess I, I guess I missed the book because I'm not an Xbox person, but why get rid of the colors? But but in a, on a larger point, you know, when you look at the promotional images for the uh, the PlayStation, you get that splash of blue, right? And and some people don't like the racing stripe on the console, but even just looking at the controller, you get a, you get a splash of color. And when I look at this promotional image, I feel like I've gone colorblind and I should see a doctor. It is just black and white and like, this is a Series S. I don't necessarily hate the color scheme because I will say, so when we had the original Expo and it was black, and when Tectic got the Xbox One S, it was all white. And at first I was like, oh, this is going to look really bright and just stand out like a sore thumb in our living room. It's a nice modern aesthetic. Yeah, it's a really nice modern look. That said, I don't know if that modern look carries through when you have a giant black circle. A speaker. Yeah, like I don't think it looks bad. It's just... That giant black circle looks a little out of place, but I understand they need ventilation. I just don't know why you wouldn't blend it in like they did with the Series X and right. have some like light shining through when the machine is on. To me, that would have been a little bit I mean, better of an aesthetic, but hey, you know, it's not going to look terrible in my home console, so. You're not going to see it. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be lying f- flat in most people's setups, right? So you're not going to see the big black disc but at the same time like put a little bit more design effort into like they really like we need ventilation someone's like just put a circle on it poke holes in it and the air will get out i don't know i don't want to again i don't want to come down too hard on xbox i mean i don't think i don't think the playstation 5 looks particularly good either and and again we're like you said before we're hobbyists right we 
we take this stuff very seriously, but there's a whole other market of casual, much more casual gamers who will love the $300 price point and won't care too much how it looks. That said, um, I will say overall the price point does kind of put the ball in Sony's court right now because I was not oh, expecting 499 for the Series X. I honestly expected it to be 599 A lot of the reports that we've been seeing have been saying 599 as like a speculative price. And the hardware inside is not cheap. Like the hardware is pretty high power, very expensive hardware. They're surely losing, they're losing money on right. this, but it's true of most consoles, so, if not all. But I, I'm really interested to see if Sony, if they even can change the price at this point, because we've heard rumors that the PlayStation 5 is going to come in at a $599 price point. So are they going to stick with their guns if that is their price point? Are they going to try to match Xbox, undercut them? Because I will say, if you go back to the last gen, Part of the reason that made the PlayStation 4 successful, successful. and yeah. it got them in so many homes, even though if you look at their launch lineup, it wasn't that strong. They only had a couple games. It wasn't like this huge lineup of first party games that we know the console to have now. And it was majorly because they undercut the Xbox One by a lot. So right. it'll be interesting it's, to see how this whole pricing game plays out. It's actually interesting because... The way I heard about this new, I'll let you into my life here for a second. The way I found out about the news about the Series S and the announcement of the launch date for the Series X and all the pricing and everything was I actually went on Twitter this morning and I saw that Sony was trending. <laughs> and the reason it was trending is everyone's like, oh boy, what is Sony going to do? And I've heard rumors that they're going to announce stuff tomorrow. Um, I, you know, who knows? Tomorrow will be when this podcast comes out. So maybe you'll be listening to this and you'll go look and you'll see that, oh, they said it's, you know, $600. I agree that the the general ambiance of the Sony offices today was probably pretty icy. <laughs> it's probably not a good day for them, but I'll be very curious to see. Cause I, I think the release date's important too. We don't know for sure that it's ready. So it could be an interesting, interesting few days, but I guess to, to wrap this up, you know, I, I we, we end the, the next gen conversations the same way every time, but I don't know how else to end it, but then asking what are you, what are you guys plans here? Xbox or, or, or Sony or both. Uh, if you're getting the Xbox, which one are you getting? You know, I 100% Xbox. am getting whatever one has a disk drive. However, I'm still very much mm-hmm. going back and forth. You're a free the, agent. The gaming content that we've seen, I'm still team Sony. But if their price is astronomically higher, I could very easily be swayed to team Microsoft. For me, and I feel like I say this every time we talk about this, but at the moment, I'm probably team Sony at launch. Because with Ratchet and Clank now being a kind of launch title and Spider-Man right off the bat makes me want to play it, I definitely will be getting because I am a hobbyist and obviously I have all of the consoles. I'll probably end up getting the Series X down the road. But right now with all of their Game Pass promises, most of the games that I want to play are also available on my Xbox One. So I don't really see the need to upgrade right. right away. So I feel like I can get both, but stagger it and not be out like a thousand dollars at once. Yeah, I, I think I'm team no one right now. You know, the first one I get will almost assuredly be the PlayStation Five, but I don't know that I'll get it at launch, especially if it's six hundred dollars. But yeah, Microsoft, you haven't you haven't won us over yet. It seems like uh, across the board here, tactic is swaying, but you got you got to push. Well, a like even ahead. if I get the PlayStation uh, Five. I'm probably still going to spend so much time on my Xbox One just because that's my ecosystem of comfort. There's a lot to be said about that. There really is. Sure. Yeah. I. You know, and for me, I think I'm casual. I'm more more casual gamer than you guys are. So for me, that's not as much a factor. You know, I have a PlayStation 4 that I actually, since finishing Last of Us 2, I haven't touched it. Now I'm playing the Switch a lot. But the Switch is a totally different experience that's extraneous to, to all of this. So... If and when I get the PS5, I'll be like, oh man, a new thing for me to try out. It's going to, I'll be, I'd be like, I'll be starting from scratch is what I'm saying. And I won't be, but it'll feel that way. In any case, we want to know on Twitter, Microsoft fans out there, tell us why we're wrong. I guess is what I'm mostly asking. And you've probably already tried and I haven't cared or listened to you. Hopefully that, that changes, but we're on Twitter at OWLeague86, at OWNerdBomber, at OWTactic, and our main show account at OnlineWarriors1. Let us know what you think about the launch. And again, if, if you're an Xbox and Microsoft person, let us have it. So yeah, again, not the last time we'll be talking about the next gen stuff. Probably talking about it next week, especially if the stuff I'm hearing about Sony is true. But for now, let's talk about Uber, which I feel like we talked about Uber quite a bit on the podcast. Not so much lately, but 
they're one of those buzzy companies that often come up here and uh they have made a buzzy promise uh as of today uh they are pledging to shift to 100 percent electric vehicles by 2030 now you may be wondering the same thing i wondered when i read that headline which is how <laughs> um you know uh it's actually not what you may think you know uber obviously doesn't have a fleet of vehicles they have a fleet of drivers who have their own vehicles so the question becomes how do you uh, incentivize the drivers to buy electric vehicles and the answer actually is not paying drivers to make the switch and buy the cars it's adding an extra fee onto a rideshare when you select uh specifically select uh an electric vehicle which i think is interesting it's a dollar extra and uh 50 goes to the driver 50 percent, so 50 cents goes to goes to uber and apparently this is their way of incentivizing drivers to get electric vehicles i'm i'm not i'm a little skeptical if you can't tell i don't know if 50 cents would uh, persuade me to buy a much more expensive vehicle right i, I mean the ride sharing economy is fairly inscrutable to me I feel, I feel like we've heard a lot especially in the past few years about how uber and lyft take advantage of their drivers and you don't drivers don't make as much as you think they make um so this just kind of you know piles onto that and leaves you thinking how is that really that much extra but there are some cold hard facts laid out in this article, which is again from The Verge, I, I want to find some here. Okay, research suggests, and I'm quoting directly now, that the average ride-hailing trip creates about 50% more pollution than the average traditional car trip. I don't know how that makes sense. Really? Yeah, you would think that, I, 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 well, we don't need to get into it. I don't really get Actually, it. Actually, I might have an idea here. So when, you, go when you're going from point A to point B, you start at point A and you go right to point B. When you call an Uber, they start at point C, go to point A, go to point B, go back to point C. Ah, I see. Maybe not go back to point C, what? but like they go back somewhere yeah, they else. Go to point D. They go somewhere. Yeah. That, okay. I, you, you got me on that. This, the rest of this article goes on to basically say that Europe is really great. <laughs> and like, like Norway is like halfway to all electric vehicles already. Like a bunch of European countries are just behind. And America's, as we probably know at this point, lagging behind. So... Companies like uh, Uber and Lyft, who has the same promise, actually, same promise for the same year. They announced it back earlier this summer, 2030, they're going to have 100% electric vehicles. I guess my response generally is, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, what percentage of, and this this state is not in the article, but I want to ask you guys, what percentage of, of the country do you think owns electric or hybrid vehicles? I feel like hybrid's definitely higher, but all electric has to be a very small percentage, just because I know, like, at one of the places that I frequent a lot or used to frequent a lot, they had a electric car charger and there were only two ports and that was the only electric car charger within like 10, 15 miles. So it can't be that many people because not that many people are using electric car chargers unless they're just charging up at home. Right. But I feel like there's not enough supply ports to make me believe that a lot of people own them. I think you combine hybrid and electric vehicles to say how many people are driving electrically enabled vehicles. I would say it's no higher than 30%. Yeah, I was going to say Maybe like I'm totally wrong. Even. But so to say that as a company, you're going to get to 100 in now less than 10 years. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. I could <laughs> like, see it maybe I don't be a, in some cities where the electric car infrastructure is already in place. Because like I said, there's not a lot of charging stations for these cars, at least not in my neck of the woods. I don't really see a lot of them around when I'm bombing around in my like 20 mile radius from home. I think they could have gotten away with saying something along the lines of by 2030, all of our fleet will be autonomous. That, for me, is more believable than forcing the volunteering drivers Why? to get electric cars. How is that more? Oh, okay. I see the point. Because well, now the company has the control of it, and they can actually influence that change. Short right. of laying off all their people and only hiring people with electric vehicles, that's the only way to actually meet that promise. And, like, I don't know how you right, enforce because you it even because I understand you have to register your car, but you can't tell me someone won't find a way they'll register their car as, like, a black Volt or whatever an electric car model is. And they'll really show up in an older Chevy model that looks kind of similar and no one's going to question it because the plates are the same and they ask for the driver's name and it all seems copacetic. You know what I mean? You, you have to think even outside of just downright like trying to game the system in that way i think there are a lot of drivers 
anyway, I don't understand the economy of it, but there are a lot of drivers who are like, I don't need the 50 cents. That's not enough for me to be like, I'm going to buy an electric vehicle. I'll stick to the vehicle I have. And at that point, what can Uber do to further convince them to get an electric vehicle? Because if they can't convince them, then guess what? They don't have 100% of their vehicles as electric vehicles. The only way I could see it being feasible is, as Tectic said, you'd have to start kicking people off the app if you didn't upgrade to an electric car, which then, right. which then you take away yeah the availability of cars for your user base so uh, it's it's interesting if they actually pull this off i will be pleasantly surprised but i don't i don't think it's going to happen maybe that's just me being a pessimist but without getting into too many like thoughts on things i don't think that enough people would be incentivized to save the earth by buying an electric car by a mere 50 cents yeah well and I'm, i'm just trying to think about what the last point you made about kicking people off the app is that not also, I don't, I, I guess Uber drivers are independent contractors or something, right? So they're not technically being fired to get that. You couldn't call that being fired without cause or anything, right? Is there a legal, I, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I could see like, you know, nine years down the road, someone gets fired for not having an electric vehicle and they sue Uber for a billion dollars or something because their terms of service don't, you know what I mean? I think they would have um, to revisit their terms of service and whatever contract they have with all of the different Uber drivers out there and make sure that it's pretty airtight. I would say, I don't know how many states are at-will states. I think in at-will states, they could fire slash kick off anybody that they don't want. But in other right. states, it might lead them into a sticky wicket. I stick I love, I love a good sticky <laughs> wicket. I'm an Uber user myself. It's Very rarely do I ever use it. But I've never used Lyft, I don't think, a single time. Really? So if you ask me like- who's going to get there first, I would say Uber. But do, I mean, do you guys have thoughts on that? I don't know which company is more forward thinking. I guess Lyft announced it first, but I don't know if, you know, two months isn't going to buy you much time to get this sorted you out. You don't use both of them now? That's, that's the part that I'm kind of interested in. Because like, I know whenever we go somewhere and we need to use either an Uber or a Lyft, we literally pull up both apps, see which one is cheaper, and that's the one we go with. Because most of the drivers in my area I, do both. Well, see, it, it has to do with available. I'm not sure if... There's all this weird legality around, surrounding Uber and like their competition with taxis, right? So I, I, I want to say, we I know we have Uber here and where I live, but I don't know if we have Lyft. And if we do, I guess I've just never thought to... I used to have an Uber credit card too, which, which is a big part of it, where you they, you would get more cash back if you used Uber with your Uber card. So I, at that point, I wasn't even thinking about it. But now I don't have that card anymore. So I could be thinking more about, like you said, just literally, you know, having the services compete with one another because it's very easy to do that, but... We'll see which one gets there first. Electric vehicles, 2030, 10 years away. It's, it's uh, sooner than it sounds, I guess. Right now, we are at the midpoint of our show, so we're going to take a short break, as we often do. But before we do that, I want to shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. In fact, I'd be remiss if I did not shout him out, so I will shout him out now. As I mentioned, Ben is our Patreon producer. He's supported the show pretty much since the beginning i feel like it's been a very long time uh we really appreciate all that he's given to the show and and all of his input um because he also you know on top of the occasional guest segment he has weekly input into our game segment so he gave some input into the topic for the quiz later who i think nerd bomber is it your turn to give the quiz i know it's not mine that's all i know so we'll be doing that later so ben supports us at the night level which is the topmost of our three levels of patreon support and as a result he gets that producer shout out that input into the game segment the occasional guest spot and access to the monthly secret segment and vlog uh so that's super cool and we thank ben for that and uh, you could have access to all that stuff too if you became a knight we actually knight you there's a sword and well we can't social distancing right now but typically we do there's also a squire level which is the second level and that gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and then there's also the page which gets you access to the monthly secret segment so if you want more of the details you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast check it out thanks again to ben and we'll be right back ich bin ein science science cannabinoids genetics coronavirus dogs this is Petri Dish. Science! Science! We're a science podcast exploring complex subjects with clarity and evil humor. Join the scientific revolution. Join Petri Dish, dropping every Monday on anchor.fm slash Petri Dish. Okay, we're back. Talk about, well, so a couple of things Nintendo. We talked about Microsoft before, and in part, we also talked about Sony because they're a direct competition. But 
Nintendo, the other member of the big three, last week, I think last Thursday it was, I don't remember exactly what day, they had a Nintendo Direct, basically in celebration of the 35th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers. And as a direct result of that, they're coming out with a number of things. Uh, we'll, we'll stick to the headliner here, which is what they're calling Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And this is something that I'm going to be buying. I'll start by saying that. I don't know when, but this is basically a collection of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. I haven't played Galaxy. I played Sunshine and Super Mario 64. Love both of them. Basically getting, I wouldn't call it a remaster, but they're, you know, getting some what they're calling technological improvements. This dropped September 18th. The weird thing, only available until March of 2021. I don't, so I don't understand that at all. I played all of those games. I love it. I am going to buy this. Um, I am going to buy the digital copy simply because... People are already trying to gouge other people for the hard copy. I've seen this. Which is wrong. Yeah. But that said, I get I get having the limited edition. It makes it like something special. But I do not understand why put a limited manufacturing window on something that doesn't really require manufacturing. Like the digital should just always right. be available. Exactly. And I couldn't agree more. I think it's silly. I think, frankly, it's it's building a gate that doesn't need to be there. What if people still have... I mean, you were late to the game buying a Nintendo Switch. Just be yeah. inclusive, Nintendo. Welcome, everybody. I think... Well, I, I think, like, it's, it's, it is weird, and it, I'm glad you brought that up, because I think that... I feel very strongly about this, actually. I think remasters should happen more than they do. I think remasters are fantastic. I don't see them as money grabs, because typically they don't come off as money grabs. The prices aren't that bad, and, like, this is this is three really good games for i think 60 dollars really good really really long games and like i've played a lot of remasters you know i played um the uncharted collection on ps4 that remastered the original uncharted Uh, last of us remastered i played that i'm waiting anxiously for a metroid prime remaster and a dead space remaster. like there's so many games that i want to be remastered and i would pay so much money for it and i have to imagine it's not that hard to do so like game companies if you're out if you're listening like you need to do this more uh, am I, do you guys, do you guys feel, are, picking, are you picking up what I'm putting yeah, down I, here? I couldn't agree more. I, I think there's a nostalgia market with respect to remastering that is just completely vast. And not only do you get that market, but you also introduce people into these great, great right. games that are really just going to be a new fun experience for them because it's going to be at the higher quality. I also agree. Like, so for me, I think it depends on how quickly you release a remaster too. Like, if it's within two years of the game coming out, you don't need a remaster. I'll put that out there in the world. Sure. However, like, for example, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, which my pre-order still hasn't yeah. come in yet, and I'm very upset about it. It's supposed to be here Friday. That's getting it should have been here really good Friday. reviews. We should have talked about that. Yeah. We should have talked about that, actually. Um, but that is a game that came out, and I think it's a little bit more than a remaster. Like technically it is a remaster, but they basically just brought a game that everyone loved and missed and resurrected it for 2020 and a new audience. And a lot more people will discover this game who might never have gotten a chance to play it. And so for that reason, I'm on board with remasters as long as they're not an obvious cash grab within a couple years of release. I mean, look what happened with, I, I can't remember if it was a super Nintendo or the Nintendo, but they came out with those little, those little plug and play systems and they sold them for like a hundred bucks or something. And they were selling out. It was one of those things, one of the crazy things. They were selling out, maybe because they were collector's items, but also because people just wanted to play the games again. And like, those were like 16-bit, like, you know, I could code one right now if I wanted to. Are you referring to the, the GameCube mod where you can play your Game Boy Advanced games type stuff? No, I'm referring to to the... Oh, that was cool too, though. Um, but I'm, I'm referring to the actual... They sold these little consoles. Remember, they? I think it was called... Well, I think it was either the Nintendo, the NES or the SNES. And they basically sold that in a way that you could, you know, HDMI, plug it in and stuff. But it was the same games all all on there. You didn't need cartridges or just a, a, a brick with a bunch of games on it, basically. But it sold like hotcakes. And like, I think I, sometimes I, I really do feel like companies like Nintendo don't fully understand the gold mine they're sitting on. And, and, and this is a... a a direct antithesis of that it seems like they do realize it because they're releasing this remaster but like how many other titles could they do this for like they could do i think they could do banjo kazooie they could re- release that and I would, I would buy it like if the price is right you can make money off of things that you basically have stabled already anyway yeah, but doing a I, remaster I isn't about this. is a lot more in depth than you would think it's basically making a great a game from scratch with some of these 
just with a plot and everything already Some defined. Of, right. Well, but I think that's an important step. I mean, especially considering, you know, the example, one of the examples I gave was The Last of Us. Everything's, you know, the hard part there, I would argue, is done. But I, you're right. I don't know the ins and outs of actually remastering a game. But like, you know, I'm sure this, you know, quote unquote remaster of Super Mario 64 is going to look exactly the same as the original did. And... I don't care. I'm going to buy it. And I'm going to play it. And I'm going to love it. So it's, I, I think there's a way to do this right. And again, I guess if, if the price is right, that's an important detail. But this is one of a few things that came out in this direct. Uh, they also announced a number of other Mario centric things that we're not going to get into now. But I, I wanted to shout that out before we talked about another one of Nintendo's bigger IPs, maybe the biggest IP and one that I've never understood The Legend of Zelda. I'm, I'm going to have to turn this over to, to one of you guys because as I, mean, I think famously at this point, I tried to play Ocarina of Time and I hated it. I've never been a Zelda person, but uh, Hyrule Warriors, I believe, is the name of the game here. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't understand you at all. <laughs> no one does. So no one does. This this looks absolutely awesome. It takes place 100 years before Breath of the Wild. And Breath of the Wild in itself was this game that kind of changed the mechanic behind the the Zelda franchise and in my opinion it was for the better it it opened up this vast new world and just had a lot of pros to it so they basically took all of that was good with Breath of the Wild and added to it giving you a, a whole host of cast that you can play as in your, in your different warrior suite um, they're going to add some backstory to what we had kind of been hinted at in Breath of the Wild and my goodness gracious, it just looks, it, it, it looks like a riot. It really does. I'm for it. No, Bob, anything to add? I, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of out to see here. I mean, that pretty much covered it. I think it looked like a really interesting, I've never played the Hyrule Warriors games. Um, I did play Breath of the Wild and you might look at me like I'm crazy again, Tectic, because you already just gave Illegal the spiel, but I wasn't a huge fan. It was a little bit too open-ended for me and I couldn't get into it a little bit. Um, so now that that's on the table, uh, I think it looked interesting. I don't know if I'm going to play it, but it did have co-op and so I'm always down to co-op with you. Aww. Uh, is there a chance, I- I'm, I'm trying to, to connect with this. <laughs> is there a chance that people see this and think, no, no, work on Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, yeah. Which, by the I, way, has already been announced. I think for know. sure. Um, I think by tying the story of Hyrule Warriors into Breath of the Wild and calling it a prequel, they're trying to get some of the people who love Breath of the Wild on board and bring a little bit more life into that franchise. But I think a lot of those people will also be thinking exactly that. Like, I want the sequel. I don't care about a prequel. But now it's a trilogy. Right. I mean... It sounds so much cooler. It's 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 not like a you know Diablo Four Blizzard situation, but it, it it's certainly far off from that. But I imagine there are some people. So there will be some people who would be like, ah, geez, I just wanted you know Breath of the Wild too. And they did oh, say that was geez. still being worked on, and that was coming eventually. So like, I guess this should hold you over until then. See, that's that's why I'm excited about this. They know that the fans have been really wanting more great content. And so they could have just said, hey, guys, we're still working on Breath of the Wild 2. Just be patient. Instead of doing that, they said, be patient. But also, here's here's another game to kind of keep you satisfied for now. And that that's that's a great game developer customer relationship, in my opinion. And this might sound well, crazy, so- but I do tend to trust Nintendo. Because so far, the majority of their major titles have been pretty darn good. I would say with the exception of a few, I think some of the earlier launch titles for the Switch were just okay. Like they weren't bad by any means. They were just okay. Nothing to super write home about, just something to play. But I think as they've really gotten their stride, most of the Switch Nintendo first party releases have been phenomenal. So I put my faith in Nintendo a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't, but here I am doing it. I think what it is for me there's there's a bitterness and there's a jealousy here i've been waiting for metroid prime 4 how long has it been 2013 20 it's been a while I don't remember when that game when three even came out but it has been so long and that's another situation by the way i would pay a hundred dollars probably more than a hundred dollars for a metroid prime remaster for the switch it would be the easiest money i've ever spent in my life i would put a second mortgage on my house for it and for, also it's something that could have happened years ago 
but you know i guess they're probably working really hard on metroid prime 4 i understand that but where's metroid prime 4 i just i'm i'm getting impatient um for a franchise that big zelda fans getting what they want i'm jealous i understand your impatience and i totally get it because if i was in your shoes i would also be very impatient and i was after mass effect 3 and then i but then i got the I won't call it a stinking pile of crap. I'll call it the very average and mediocre pile of Mass Effect Andromeda. And it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't bad. I had fun with it. It just wasn't what I wanted. And I'd spent so long yearning for it that I was upset that I got something kind of mediocre. So be grateful, I guess, that they're taking the time to hopefully make it a good game. I understand that good things come to those who wait and all that, but... It's been so hey, long. you could be like me in Kingdom <laughs> I Hearts. Point. I waited like half of my life for Kingdom Hearts 3, but it was super right. great when it did come out. So Right. Well, Hyrule Warriors will be coming soon to the Zelda fans, and I'll I'll still be here waiting for Metroid Prime 4. Right now we're gonna move into the What Are You Up To Wednesday segment of the show, where we talk about what we've been up to, because it's Wednesday when this comes out. Uh, and we'll start with Nerd Bomber today, ladies first. Alright, so as you guys know, Mulan came out on disney plus premiere over the weekend and i him hemmed and hawed about whether i wanted to spend 30 dollars to watch the movie but with a lot of reasoning behind it it took me a lot to come to the conclusion but i was gonna watch it i didn't want to wait till december wanted to support a cast with diversity that we usually don't see and so i wanted to watch the movie and a lot of people who were in love with the cartoon version of the movie said that it felt a little flat to them. And I'll give you that. It didn't have that same fun magic that the animated movie had. It, it just did not. It was a more serious and adult take on the Chinese legend of Mulan. They did add in some weird magical entities and the concept of chi, which... It, basically made Mulan more powerful and a better fighter than she would have been as if they had just followed the original Chinese legend where she was just a really good swordsman woman who just managed to work hard and become as good of a fighter as she was because she worked super hard. So they added some magical elements. And overall, I thought the movie was very enjoyable, but there are a lot of people out there saying the movie was just okay. And I think there's room in this world right now for both opinions because my perspective on it was I wanted to see something a little bit more serious. I didn't want to see the cartoon rehashed because while I, I did love Aladdin and The Lion King, which everyone can yell at me, that's fine. I liked them. They were fun. I, I did want to see what Disney could do if they took a story and retold it in the way, maybe a different way, not necessarily the way it should be told, although talking to some people that I know from China and just knowing the Chinese audience reaction to the cartoon, the cartoon version didn't really do The Legend of Mulan justice. So I wanted to see what they could do. And in my opinion, I thought it was a visually stunning movie. I thought it would have been better served in theaters, if I'm being totally honest. Like, we have a decent setup at home, a decent nice little surround sound and nice little movie setup but it doesn't it's not the same as going to the movies and i think it would really have benefited from being seen on a big screen i think the acting in my opinion was good i think it accurately reflected um a lot of the persona from the legend in my opinion there was some magic missing but overall i thought it was a pretty good and empowering story i really liked it and the witch character, while it was weird they introduced magic for seemingly no reason, was one of my favorite characters in the movie. And I almost wish they had done more with the witch character if they were going to add this magical element. She was probably one of the most compelling characters in the entire movie aside from Mulan. So that's kind of my take. I enjoyed it. I would say it's worth a watch. Was it worth $30 to watch at home? Probably not, in my opinion. But it's a pandemic, and I need entertainment oh. when I can get it. So whatever. I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought I thought you would say go for it. I mean, it seems like you you were a big fan. Considering of it. that the movie is becoming free for all Disney Plus subscribers in literally three months, I believe it was December fourth, is what the website says. Yeah, like I think so. For thirty bucks, you're not really getting a whole lot. You're not getting that movie experience. Like it does, it does go and benefit. I guess the in a standpoint that maybe Disney will be more apt to make more diverse movies like this. But 
from a what you get in turn, like what your value is, I don't know if it was worth $30 personally, but I still really enjoyed it. So for me, I didn't mind paying that. Well, good to know. I I, I will probably be watching it, perhaps not this weekend, but but soon. On the order of soon, I'll, I'll give you an update on... It's going to be one of the few things that you say, yes, watch it, and I'll watch it. Um, I will say, I know you're a big score boy. <laughs> I'm excited for that. So the music, obviously, was not a musical, and most of the original music was not in this movie. But they did hint to a lot of the songs from the original movie in the score, and that I really enjoyed. And there were some moments when the score, I think, really made a scene. I am a big score boy. You've got me pegged. And uh, I see Harry Gregson Williams is who i know this is a guy that has worked a lot with hans zimmer he worked i believe he worked on the dark knight um in any case he's worked on a lot of movies that i've seen good to know good tip i always need work music too so cheers tactic so i too watched mulan i'll say it, it was visually stunning i just couldn't relate to the characters everything else was good though but i'm not going to belabor that anymore i'm going to talk about other things that i did in my week and the big one for me was i played the carry i think it's pronounced carrion game the the game we had talked about where you're this big blob of a monster and you're just going around a seemingly military base eating everybody and i have to say one of the more relaxing games i'm i've played and (laughs) i know that makes me sound like a psycho but it's it's kind of mindless a little bit puzzly and you just kind of squirm through and upgrade your blob abilities to solve more complicated puzzles and and just relaxingly devour many many humans it's just it's peaceful it's got very good reviews so it's i I believe it i do enjoy it it's you know don't judge a game simply by its graphics the graphics are are what they are it's a side scroller but or it's side scroller-esque but there's just something to be said for it and it's very enjoyable the other thing is nerd bomber and i had started playing Battletoads. Like the old one? Like the original? No, this is the new one that just came out this year. The fighting is pretty straightforward. We're pretty good at that. But like, there's like these side things, like you're in a battleship or you're on a luge or you're racing. And those things are like next to impossible. The game is so hard if you're not fighting. If you're doing other stuff, impossible. So all in all, fun experience, co-op. You can go up to three people playing together, but hard, very hard. So I'm, I'm going to piggyback on that with part of my update, because one thing that my girlfriend and I have been doing is we, we got a Switch Online subscription, which definitely recommend that, by the way. Pretty awesome. You get access to a bunch of old SNES and NES games. And one of her favorite games from when she was younger, and one that I played on the Game Boy, actually, but never on the NES or SNES, is Donkey Kong Country. Are you guys familiar with Donkey Kong Country? Yeah, I played it. Yep. That game. So first of all, couch co-op, which is great. Who's, who's uh, game is so, it, Diddy Kong? My girlfriend is, is a Diddy Kong person, so I am Donkey Kong. That game is so hard, guys. Like, it's, I, there, are, there are a lot of games on the, a lot of the retro games that you play, and you're like, oh my god, games used to be so hard. Like, <laughs> Donkey Kong Country, there is this minecart level that you have to, like, jump over fallen car. I actually and, like, jump over that one. Oh my! It honestly, it's, I'm gonna have nightmares about it for the rest of my life. Like, I don't know what else to say about it other than it's really fun, but it's it's really hard. You get um, to a point where you start memorizing the level, and it becomes more muscle yeah, memory than it is yeah. actually reacting. Especially with the minecart level, that that is true. Been playing some of that. I have essentially finished Burnout Paradise Remastered. That's another great remaster. Granted, I didn't play the original, but they remastered it. It's fantastic. Played through all of it on the Switch. I there's it's one of those games where there are collectibles. So like there are billboards that you smash, and there are gates that you can smash all hidden all around the city. And I have smashed 395 out of 400 gates. And part of me just wants to like spend hours finding those last five gates. <laughs> and I don't know if I will, but I've played through. So the remaster comes with all the um, DLC that came with the original game, which is called Big Surf Island, and there's more billboards and smashes there as well. I've smashed all those, beat all the races. So I'm going to be moving on um, in transition right now, but 10 out of 10 would recommend. Love it. If you love driving games, if you love burnout games, it's a classic burnout game. A lot of car combat. So big ups to that. The last thing I want to mention is I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix, which is a Charlie Kaufman movie. He's known for films such as Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And 
I would not recommend that movie. It's getting very good reviews, but the people that are reviewing it are, I guess, professional critics who understand a lot more. It's not, there's no plot in like the last 40 minutes of the movie. So if you like watching a plot, don't watch it. Uh, that's, that's my mini review. It was interesting, but it was, I guess it was just over my head. So that's that on, on my end, which brings us to the end and to the Nerd Bomber game segment. I believe the quiz topic this week is chess. Yes, Which is it good because I'm a chess master. So I'm very excited about this. I have a wide variety of questions. They're all Francis Wright style. Okay. And if you go over, you bust. We will have tech to go first to start. Give me a sporting. Give me a sporting. Yeah, because you, I appreciate you it. haven't won in a while. So like hopefully maybe this is, this is your it's week. Been an, it's been a minute. I'll take the advantage. So jumping right into it. A knight's tour is a sequence of moves such that the knight visits every square on the chessboard exactly once. What is the number of possibilities of a knight's tour? He has to reach every single piece. A knight has every to square. visit every square on the chessboard exactly once. Does a visit count as the places that he like taps as he does his L? No. 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 The final destination? No. Yes. Okay. Like, yeah. it actually has to sit on the square. When I'm going to say 312 possible possible ways to do it. Oh, absolutely not. I was going to say, like, one or two. Uh, so I'm just going to say one, because I'm pretty sure Tactic busted. All right. So Tactic actually did not bust. He actually was very what? far under. There are a lot of different varieties and possibilities how a night's tour can be carried out over 122 million different ways. So you guys are both no. extremely low. No. <laughs> okay, this is I could see how this is going to go. Boy. All right. Moving on to the next one. How many moves was the official longest chess game? Oh, um this was this was 628 moves. Tactic, what say you? So it was an it was an official game. Yes. Um, with the little clock and everything. I love chess. I wish I was good at chess. I think that you busted, actually, but I don't think you're that far off. I'm going to say 400. I, I did go pretty high. Okay, yeah. so you guys both busted. To kind of resurrect this question, can you tell me the year that this game occurred in and it only had 269 moves? I could have a chess game with longer moves than that. What year? Um... Oh, it's not my turn for a tactic. It's your turn first. It was 1984. All right, go. what oh, do you think? No, way before that. They were playing chess, you know, back in the Middle Ages. Uh, I'm going to say 1800. Okay, so tactic was actually pretty spot on. It was 1989 was when this game... <laughs> they weren't recording chess game move numbers in the 1800s. No, they would write it down. They would write it down on papyrus. Well, I'm blowing it. This is this is going to be a historical collapse <laughs> Hopefully, for Team Illegal. What, there's several more questions, so you have a shot. What was the longest okay, so game of chess possible? So the official longest chess game was 269 moves, but that's not the longest game of chess possible. How many moves is the longest game possible? How, what does that even that mean? It's not like infinite. You can do dumb yeah, moves how like forever infinite? and it'll go forever. But you can't. Um, apparently you can't. I know, well, I know there's a rule that if you make the same move 20 times in a row, you actually, it's a draw. Um, so I'm going to extrapolate from that. And I'm going to, how many pieces are on the board? What's the unit of measurement? Moves. moves. So I'm not saying that anyone has actually played this, but theoretically. You know, I didn't answer yet. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm giving you a little bit more, both of you, to go on. Oh, wait. Theoretically, on, this is that. the longest game of chess possible. It doesn't mean that it's happened officially. I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to... Sorry, I'm going to change my answer because I realize my math is terrible. I'm going to say 400 moves. I said 800 before. I'm going to say 400. I'm going to say 450. All right, so Tactic scooped you. You guys were both really far off again. It was actually 5,949 moves is technically the longest game of chess possible. Technically. That's just... That number's not even even. How does that make so? Oh my God. I don't know. I don't do the math. I just research the trivia facts, man. I don't make this stuff up. Oh, okay. So can I... Do I have a chance to even tie now or is it over? So... Give me, this, give me, give me a... Try. I have Clean four more sweep. questions. Um, but Tactic okay. has three. So you could yeah. technically tie or win. 
depends. Tactic, go for the whitewash, man. I'm, I'm off my game today. Okay, so the next one is what is the shortest number of moves possible to achieve a checkmate? This one's kind of a tricky question. Just throw that out there. Is it my turn? Is it my turn first? Yes. It's like two. I'm gonna. It's two. Tactic. I think you're. I think you're right, but I'm gonna have to guess three. So illegal actually got a question right, guys. It's actually two moves, and the sequence is wow, called I the Fool's Mate Run. Don't know what the actual sequence is, but I'm sure you can Google it to see how you can it's pull like, it off. Yeah. I've tried to do it before, but obviously your person you're playing against has to be a, a total dweeb to fall for it. Yeah, he has to be the dweeb. <laughs> okay, let's not get into it. Uh, I'm on the board. You, you screwed up the whitewash. You should be embarrassed. I knew that uh, was the I'm answer, the so that's now. kind of unfair. Yeah, I got first ups. I'll take it. So I'll take it where I can get it. This next question, Tactic, you'll have the first ups this time. The first computer program that played proper chess was written by... Alex Bernstein at MIT. What year did he write this computer program? What is proper chess? Chess. Uh, as opposed to improper chess. Not not street rules. <laughs> Actual chess. <laughs> um, I'm going to say... I know what the answer is. I'm so confident. I'm going to say 1970. 1976. Oh, gosh. Come on, guys. You both busted. Oh, man. <laughs> 1959 no one gets a point they didn't have compute what they did have that was computers like the, they were like the old school yeah, like computers the, man the the imitation game computers the things that are like you gotta put them in a warehouse God, it's still this. a computer i don't know what to tell you uh, well that's not a proper okay. game of chess if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely street rules Okay, um, so we have so it's so it's still what three to one. Three right? to one. How many questions with left? two questions left? So you can still yeah, come still back tie and tie it. it, and then I'll have to scramble for a tiebreaker. But I, I love making you scramble. Chess has been added to the Olympics. What year did chess get added to the Olympics? Oh, this was this was recent. This was like 1994. I don't even know if that was an Olympic year. I'm gonna. Go, I'll go 92. 92. I think it was earlier than that. I'm going to say 1980. So Illegal is making his little comeback. It was 1999, so he gets the point. Yes. Yes. It is now three to two. This next question will make or break Illegal's hopes for winning. And maybe... The dream is, is still alive. I'll have last ups. Oh, my God. Here we go. So Oscar Shapiro became the oldest player to become a quantified chess master. How old was he? Did you say quantified? Yeah, how, I needed, I needed as opposed to I an unquantified. An adjective, and then I grabbed at quantified, and it wasn't a good adjective. But I'm rolling with it. He how, was a quantified chess master. How old is he now, or no, how, how old was he when he reached mastery? How old was he when he was a glorified chess master? I guess maybe I don't know. Insert adjective they, here, they, guys. They did some calculation. They counted things up, and they said you're a chess master. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tactic, you're up. Is it like airbending when you reach mastery? Similar to that? Definitely. Okay. I'm going to go with 35. Isn't it when he, Isn't it the oldest one ever? <laughs> oh. I, wait, oh. no, no, no. Tacti no, no you, you can re-guess. Yeah. I'm going to go with... <laughs> I don't want to win that way. I'm going to go with 60. Good grief. Okay. When you okay, said 35, I'm going to say 61. Like, it's, how old? What? Are you going to beat me that way? older That's than 30. Okay, fine. Well, fine. I'll, 70. I know it's way older than that. I'll say 70. Okay, so you actually tied the game up. He became a chess master at 74 years old. Okay, so I have a fun tiebreaker question here. Very few people yes. have ever achieved 100% records, winning records in tournament play. How many people have managed this incredible feat? Okay, and I go first, and I'm, I'm going to say three. There's so, there's some holy triumvirate out there. There's three guys who did it. Bobby Fischer. Uh, I don't know the others. I, Bobby Fischer's the only ch famous chess player I know. So I'll say Bobby Fischer and two other guys. Or girls. Three is my answer. Four. Well, with that, Tactic takes the cake and Illegal <laughs> loses it. again. Ten people have well, achieved that amazing 100% record. I regret none of it. It was, it was a fun ride thinking, thinking that I could get out of the loser circle. 
You know, the, the bright side of this, I don't have to host quizzes ever. I don't have to make <laughs> questions. I'm just along for the ride, having a good time, losing constantly. But I'm not, th- I'm not throwing the games. I just am legitimately this stupid. Tune in next week for me to f- lose another quiz, at the very least. Uh, we may be talking about Sony then. We may be talking about whatever else crazy thing happens here in 2020. But either way, we hope you'll be with us. And uh, we thank you for joining us now. Uh, if you enjoyed what you listened to, or even if you didn't, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And again, we have social meds. Hit us up on Twitter at OnlineWarriors1, at OWLady6, at OWNerdBomber, at OWTactic. We're here to chat with you, if you so desire. And in the meantime, we will talk at you next week. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>